welcome to Groovecast, the rhythm section podcast. Uh, I'm Ashley Walker. And I'm Charlie Smith. Yeah, and um, welcome. This is episode four. And um, in light of recent recent events, um, uh, although by the time this is released, it would have been months ago, but um, in uh, England, uh, most of the restrictions have been lifted and um, luckily uh, live concerts will be coming back soon, we, we believe. And um, uh, sort of because of that, we're going to be talking a little bit about um, some of our top live concerts we've been to. I know uh, Charlie's been to some really great ones. Um, you haven't done as, badly yourself either. Let's be yeah, honest. as have I. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, we'll be talking a little bit about uh, some live concerts. You can't beat the experience of a live show. And um, like always, if you have any live concerts that you've been to yourself that you want to share with us, feel free to tag us, comment, do all that stuff on the socials. Yeah, subscribe, follow, all that. <laughs> Smash like and subscribe. <laughs> um, okay, and. Um, I thought it'd be nice to kick us off with um, maybe some memories from long ago. Um, and I wondered, Charlie, what was one of your first proper concerts that you went to? I know, obviously, your granddad's a musician and um, as well. So Yeah, well, the first gig that I really went to, we'll kind of come on to in a bit when we when we start talking about the, the, you know, the gigs of your dad's that you've been to and my granddad's that I've been to. So we'll, mm. we'll put that one aside because most of it i can't really remember because <laughs> it was <laughs> it was that would have been about 2005 so it was a good 16 years ago and i was i think five at the time four or five so uh i'll jump to the the, the second gig that i went to if you like or the first really really big gig that i went to yeah. which was um uh, paul mccartney at the millennium stadium in cardiff which was in 2010 wow yeah, so that was that was uh, an incredible show. I mean, that was a surprise for me. Uh, uh, for I think it was a birthday present or a Christmas present that um, my granddad, uh, my other granddad rather, had got tickets for it, and uh, we went down, stayed in Cardiff for for a night, a night or two, and um, me, him, and my uh, one of my uncles went and saw Paul McCartney. And I mean, wow. ju- just not not just Paul McCartney, because it turned out that supporting him was the Manic Street Preachers, okay. which, was, which was novel in of itself. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was uh, McCartney with his with his band, and it was just oh, I forget. I think it was the Up and Coming tour they were on at the time, and mm. I think he was only doing three dates. I think he did London, uh, Wembley, then uh, Millennium Stadium possibly something at Liverpool and then maybe like Dublin or Glasgow. So it was only mm. like there was only four dates on the on the UK bit of the tour but wow. yeah we, we we managed to get in and Millennium Stadium is huge. It's a massive massive venue. Yeah. And uh, it's it's got the big sliding roof so that the roof can open or be or be shut cuz it's like yeah. rugby stadium. And uh, and yeah, I mean the, the standing memory of that gig was I think we were about two blocks back in the on the ground. Uh and I remember it was, oh, be about two thirds of the way through the show. The roof had been shut because, I mean, it was a clear night, but you want the, the effect of all the lights and all the screens and everything. But mm. they opened the roof because it had gone dark outside. And uh, and it was just as they were about to do Live and Let Die. Oh, wow. And that was just, I mean, that was, for me, was probably the highlight of the night was, was Live and Let Die because it just, it was 
that was when it went turned from being an amazing show to an absolute spectacle. Yeah. You know, you had Pyro going crazy and, you know, and it was surprising that even that far back in the stadium, you could really, you know, every time the propane towers went off, you we could feel the heat coming off of them. Yeah. It was like being like being hit with a big hairdryer. Wow. Just, what amazing show. And I mean, of course, Paul and his band have been together now for over 25 years with the same lineup. Mm. And um yeah, they're just phenomenal. Uh it would have been so Paul leading Wicks, Wickens, Paul Wickens on on Keys MD, uh Abe Laboreal Jr on on Kiss. Yeah. And then Rusty. Brian Rusty Anderson on guitar and bass and uh, Brian Ray on guitar and bass as well. Because, of course, wow. they all just switch around depending on what Paul's doing, whether he's on yeah. piano, bass, guitar or mm. or whatever. So it was like, yeah. But that was that was the first massive gig that I ever went to. And that was, yeah, I think that was June 2010. Wow, so what about not, yourself? Not bad. Um, yeah, well, uh, like you, I, I went to a few things with my dad, which, like you said, we'll get on to later. Um, I think the first proper concert I went to um, was around 2015. It was early summer 2015, and we went to see uh, Mark Knopfler at the Royal Albert Hall in London. And I can't remember how it came about. I, I remember we were in London for a bit of a history trip. We were doing all the Churchill War Rooms and everything. And I think it just so happened while, as we were planning the trip, we saw Mark Knopfler was at the Albert Hall. And I'd only just started playing bass at that point, so we were kind of doing, trying to tie in the music as well. And um, it also—I can't remember how it happened, but um, I think my bass player told me that his old friend was playing drums, was Mark Knopfler's drummer, and um, he said, "Oh, I'll give you his number or something, and um, see if you can meet him and get the bass player to meet Ashley as well." And um, the drummer was actually Ian Thomas, <laughs> and um, my bass teacher Paul little shout out to Paul um knew Ian years ago I think I might have mentioned it um on the one of the last episodes um but if not they were I think they went on a cruise ship together and um yeah and when we managed to meet Ian uh, outside the stage door with the bass player Glenn Wharf um and yeah we spoke to them for about 10-15 minutes I think about bass and and um and what it was like playing for Mark and um and it, it was really funny. I mean, I, I think by that point I already knew I wanted to be a musician, but um, as they were literally outside for ten, fifteen minutes, and these were just the drummer and the bass player, um, just at the back of the band, and people already started coming round to get autographs and photos with them, which I just thought was crazy. So that was one of those, uh, certainly one of those moments where I was like, this wouldn't be too bad to do for a living. Yeah. And um, the show itself was fantastic. I mean, um. I was kind of a bit too young to appreciate the musicianship a little bit, and um, I was kind of a little bit more into the Die Straits, Mark Knopfler, um, and now I know his whole back catalogue, and I, lo I love all his original stuff as well. Um, and there was only one or two tunes that I actually knew, but I remember just being in awe of the whole thing at the, at the Albert Hall, um, and the production everything behind it was fantastic, and... I remember there was a great supporting artist on. I can't. I forget her name. I think she was a Canadian uh, acoustic guitar player, and um, and then she came on and did a couple of songs with Mark. And um, yeah, it was just a really good gig. And um, for a first gig, it wasn't too bad. A, a exactly. great experience. Yeah, not a, not a bad place to start at all. At uh, the Albert Hall, especially. It's you know, mm. 
a much revered venue. Um, yeah. And and yeah, Mark Knopfler, of course, one of Newcastle's finest. <laughs> Let's course. have it be known. He's a northerner. Northerner. Um, and yeah, I mean, Mark's Mark's great. And um, I mean, yeah, as you say, I mean, I'm probably more into the into the dire straight side of things. But I mean, some of his solo stuff is is, is great as mm. well. It's it's there's some great tracks in in that back co- in that back catalogue, that vast back catalogue. Yeah. I think um yeah I think one of the tunes he did that night was Sailing to Philadelphia one of the original ones he wrote I think about 20 years ago or something and um then I I didn't know it myself then but I actually came away like really one of it being one of my favorite songs of his and now um recently I've started to get into it and trying to learn it on acoustic guitar and just realizing what a fantastic um finger picking guitar player is as well and as well as all the electric stuff and um yeah it was it was a great concert and also to meet uh glenn and, and ian as well was just the icing on the cake really yeah um, it's as rhythm sections go you know it's i mean someone like mark always will have a, a, a great band behind him but uh mm. yeah, you know you, you definitely know when you've got players like that in there that that it's going to be a really really great gig yeah and and now that live stuff is starting to come back and i know we've both done some live gigs now that restrictions are lifted and and people are able to dance and and sing again as well and um it's kind of a weird thing one of the things i've certainly missed has been the live shows and um i wondered as well i was thinking the other day what was like one of the last concerts i went to before covid and i wondered um like what for you what was one of the last concerts you went to that was a smooth transition that um so yeah i mean the last things i was pre covid i was living in london so um i was a, a rather regular visitor to uh, a certain ronnie scott's jazz club uh-huh. so um yeah that was kind of the the the, the nucleus of, of most of the gigs that i was seeing while i was away um and yeah the, i think the last big gig that i went to before uh before the whole virus hit and everything was um uh probably the steve gadd band about two years ago now um, oh really which was at ronnie's and and they were they were fantastic so it was i mean we've spoke about them on our um on our previous episode but uh gadd jimmy johnson uh walt fowler on trumpet um and then keys keys and guitar i think as well in that in that lineup and mm. that was just a, a real masterclass in 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 how to do it right and and how to just play perfectly um mm. to 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 the track and to to what you're doing because i mean most of that i think everything other than one song was it was all instrumental yeah and it was just like laid back bluesy r&b style jazzy groove all the way through and then um yeah that that was just something really special and and i i really loved that uh that lineup and then i i was lucky to see even sort of it when covid had happened you know if in the just before the november lockdown i i managed to get back into ronnie's and saw um the the singer cassidy jansen there who's mm. a like west end star and and, and great singer um but the reason I went to see her, uh, her vocals and songwriting aside, was the band, because that that lineup was um, my great friend Adam Dennis on on keys, um, an MD, uh, Neil Wilkinson on on kit, Adam Goldsmith on guitar, and, and Steve Pierce on bass. Which is, mm. I mean, really, it's it's it was the best of the best of the of the London session scene. 
in in that room and mm. and again it was just just a great gig she was she was she sounded great and the band were were, were all on on fine form and uh, and it was great to hang out with uh, with with a couple of the guys after the gig as well um I had a lovely chat with Neil um just about again about life the universe and drums um <laughs> and uh, and a nice catch up with with Adam um who yeah another northern plug because he's uh, originally from mm. Middlesbrough but um and, <laughs> uh, and yeah Adam's a, a really great keys player and um he's one of those northerners who's who's gone to London and really made a a, a, a massive name for himself down there you know I think he, he works a lot with um on shows and uh, and he's done his time in the West End and and MDing for a few a few name singers as well so so yeah that was that was about the the scope of my uh, pre and during covid uh, gigs so what about yourself yeah um, I think the last concert I went to um, would have been, it wasn't immediately before COVID, I think it was around June, um, July uh, 2019, um, <clears throat> and it was uh, Toto at the Royal uh, Hospital Chelsea, actually, um, which was a really unique venue, um, and I, I think that was a Christmas present, um, uh, and um yeah it was because at that time i was really into toto and we were doing a lot of it in in a band that i was in at the time um so yeah i got treated to see to see them and uh it was a good lineup at the time as well obviously lucifer um steve Picaro was doing it um david page was supposed to be on it but wasn't well so they had the young guy from snarky puppy i forget his name um he was just incredible actually and i think um, might draw some fire for it, but I think technically probably a better keyboard player than David Page. And when um, <laughs> when it was uh, in between songs and like they do a transition into their sort of acoustic into some acoustic stuff, he was just like riffing around and just playing background music basically while they all got set. And yeah, he was incredible. I think he got the biggest round of applause as well after the gig. And um, uh, is it Shannon Forrest? I think was on drums. Yeah, that would um, been um, yeah post Simon Phillips. Uh, yeah, after he's he departed the band, and um, I think they had Keith yeah. Carlock in for a little bit, and then Shannon took the gig. Yeah, for uh, a, for a couple of tours. I, f- I forget the bass player's name as well, but I know he plays a lot with Kenny Loggins and Michael McDonald, um, and was singing as well, and he was fantastic. And um, obviously Joseph Williams was on lead vocals, and he was excellent. Um, and it was again. It was one of those concerts where, um, even though I was into Toto at the time, I was certainly into more of their mainstream stuff. Um, and there was a lot of songs that uh, I was with my dad, and we didn't know, but we still loved it because of the production of it. And I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm massively into that prog rock kind of stuff. They did a lot of that, um, but it was fantastic, and and the production, the lighting that went with it. And just the musicianship, Steve Lukather just was incredible as he always is. Yeah, and he's he's one of those guitarists where my dad always says it's like it makes me want to be able to play guitar um, when you just see him rip those solos. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've had I've had the pleasure of seeing Lukather myself, um, not with Toto, with uh, with Ringo Starr's All Star yeah. Band actually, and and even there they did a couple of Toto tunes. Um, I think they did Africa and Hold the Line or Rosanna. One, you know, some of those. Uh, mm. We're in, we're in the set, and and yeah, Lukather was 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 on fire. He's he's just a, an amazing player, and he's yeah. got a great ear as well. You know, when you when you think of 
aside from Toto, all the all the session work he's done in his mm. career with with Michael Jackson and Quincy Jones and all of yeah. that, it's like it is his back catalogue and his CV is just is is ridiculous, really. Mm. Yeah, and um, yeah, it was it was a really good band at the time. Um, there was a good supporting act. I forget the name of them as well. Um, another sort of heavy metal band, which again I'm not into, but the the showmanship of it all. And just the surroundings of the Royal Hospital as well. It was really unique. You had the Chelsea pensioners looking out their windows, watching it, seeing what the racket was. Yeah. And um, you got Toto there just playing Rosanna or whatever. Love that. Yeah. It's 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 yeah. It's it's it's, it's a definitely an interesting choice of venue, but I'm sure it'll have uh, it'll have worked for for what they were doing because I know they've done a they've done their share of arenas and things, and mm. and I think some a bit smaller and a bit different definitely. Um, it can really change the feel of a show. It can, yeah, and I think um, I was just thinking when you were talking about um, going to Ronnie Scott's that the because some people I know people that prefer bigger venues, some people prefer smaller venues. Don't like it when uh, bands, for instance, like Snarky Puppy. I know when they first came to the UK, they were doing a lot of small venues like colleges and universities, and um, and then when they got big, they were playing big places, massive arenas, and they didn't like it as much. Um, and and the the great thing as well with the smaller venues like Ronnie Scott's is that you can then go and mingle with the band, and especially like you know, when you know the members, or even if you don't, you can still go and mingle with them and and uh, and talk to them about. Yeah, it's got a certain intimacy so. with it, and um, and it's almost like as soon as the gig's over, the guards down. You know, you can there's everyone's happy to have a chat most nights, or you know, you might run into someone in the audience or. You know, there's there's definitely times where there's celebrities in there as well, which I mean I've yeah. I've not been a party to, but I've known of nights where I think Jeff Beck was in one night doing a gig uh, with his band, and Johnny Depp turned up and got up and played guitar, you yeah. know, and things like that. And it's like only at Ronnie's would that happen. Mm. You know that, that it wouldn't happen anywhere else. That that would just be what you know what went down at the gig and and that's yeah. i think what makes it a really special place and especially for me it's it's one of my favorite venues to see any band because you you feel really up close you mm. know even if you're sat at the back of the room it's so intimate and so small and compact that you feel like you're still sat you know practically with your nose on the bass drum head yeah. you know it's it's you feel so tight and so close in with with the musicians that that I think you do you can lose that a little bit with a with a stadium show and that that's why they they treat them differently and you have all the lighting and the the big screens and all that cuz mm. but in Ronnie's you don't need that it's all about the music mm. which I think is what's what's really just right about it for me yeah yeah um and I think uh, I may know the answer to this but I wonder what uh your favorite concert is that you've been to or maybe a couple of your favorites if you can't uh narrow it down yeah, well, I, I narrowed it down to two uh, yeah. f- in, in thinking about this and, and mulling over a few options. And and I know exactly which one you're thinking of. And, and yeah, it's, it's in the top two. Um, <laughs> and it was uh, and that was uh, Paul McCartney at, uh, at the O2 in, in London in 2018. Because, you know, I think as gigs go, there's just nothing's going to ever beat that in, in terms of um, what went down that night. And, and uh, just, again amazing musicianship all round I mean McCartney always has his you know as we just spoke about earlier it was a great band to start with 
and then of course they get Ringo up at the end and, and Ronnie Wood to come up and do a tune and you know I think I mean there was a night where it was I think Harry Styles and Roger Daltrey were both spotted in the crowd at one point or <laughs> another and it was like again it was a total melting pot of different people in there to see Paul McCartney because again mm. that was I think he was only doing three dates on that particular run of, of shows he did uh, the O2 in London which is where I went he did Liverpool uh, I think it was the Echo Arena if it's still called that I think it yeah, might have changed I think since it is, yeah and uh, Glasgow so it was just like three dates mid-December right at the end of the year so I mean not only did they have the guests on they also did um, Wonderful Christmas Time which is a song that he very rarely does live if ever and I think they got you know like the local uh, children's choir up and they were all having a great time and you know it was it was just a really 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 great atmosphere uh, Mm. to, to, to be in and again you know even though it was a massive venue the O2 it didn't feel huge. It didn't feel like there was what twelve thousand people in there. It, mm. You know, it could have been a, a two thousand seat arena for all that, all that it felt because you felt like you could practically reach out and and you know touch the stage. It was it was that that kind of a, a vibe, and everyone everyone in there was 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 so into it. And you you know you had the hardcore Beatles fans. You had the people who were. Uh, a bit late to the game and preferred the wings stuff or yeah. the youngsters who'd been brought up on it and it was it was an amazing gig and and definitely one that I would I would love to uh, to live again. Yeah. But the other choice um, harks back to my my other great love uh, and that was um, when I saw Rush at <laughs> uh, the Sheffield Arena in 2013 on their on their Clockwork Angels tour. Um, and again, that was just three musicians, top of their game. It was the final tour they ever did around the UK uh, before uh, they retired. And and yeah, what a gig! I mean, I mean, just having the the three of them there was great, uh, and and the, the the production was huge, as as you would imagine. But they even for for some songs on the on the on the album that was out at the time, they had a lot of strings, so they had a, a nine piece string section behind them playing the the string parts, which was was really cool um mm. and something you wouldn't have expected to see you know um with a three-piece prog rock band you know but that was yeah those those two for me would have been i think the top two gigs that i've that i've seen yeah. um and yeah it's it's and it's a shame that i'll never get to see rush again uh that's yeah. just the way of the world but hopefully mccartney will be back out on tour again and i, I would i'd go <laughs> back go back and see him again in, in a heartbeat yeah. So, uh, what I about think, you, um, Mr. Walker? I just, I think that as the with um, the Paul McCartney one, I literally remember at the time I was at my dad's um, swing band with him, and I think I might have been depping on a gig actually at the time or rehearsing, uh, rehearsing, rehearsing, um, and like it was a, a couple of the people there had been to it, and it was one of those gigs that I think every musician, everybody just tried to get tickets for. And um, I don't. I think we actually didn't even realise he was on, even because I was following that tour. I remember uh, it was, it was it his freshen up tours. He just released an album, hadn't he? Yeah, I think um, I think Egypt Station was was just out at that point. Yeah, or was just about to come out. I can't quite remember where it fell. But, yeah. Um, and he'd done the whole the the carpool karaoke thing and the. Yeah, and he played at the Grand Central Station, and um... yeah, I think he'd done that, and he'd also done the, the the little surprise gig at the Cavern Club as well. Yeah, 
uh, yeah and um yeah it was just one of those things that at the time everybody knew like i remember knowing that he was playing at the o2 that night and then all all this stuff came up on youtube and all everybody had stories i remember people at my dad's band saying afterwards oh, he did this song and he did his song for john lennon and he got emotional i was like god damn it i should have been there <laughs> yeah it <laughs> but was so I, good i'm so glad for you that you you got to see it because it's it, it, like you say it's one of those things you want to relive and it's almost one of those once in a lifetime shows to see mccartney and with ringo as well like that's so rare yeah it was it was such such a special night and um uh, and definitely one I'll, I'll remember for the the rest of my life but yeah um, yeah so what stands out for you as the as the best you've seen i think i can probably guess <laughs> one of them at least yeah i think like you there was kind of two um that i was thinking of the the one that would have to be the top one is just because of how crazy it was and going to see it um which was wolf peck at um red rocks in 2019 which i think was just before it was actually just before we went to see toto um which 2019 what a great year that was oh it was it was great <laughs> um, yeah uh and yeah it was just crazy it was it at red rocks um because uh, the thing with Wolfpack is they come over to the UK, although obviously they haven't for a while. And again, they only do a select number of dates um, actually in England. They do one or two at most, really. And it's always very small venues because they're not as big over here. Um, and they're usually clubs or very, very small theatres. And it sells out instantly and the, the tickets aren't very expensive. So it sells out and... Um, I think that year they had actually done a sh- they'd done a couple of shows I- over in the UK, and then um, it just so happened I I was on their website as I am most days, and um, I saw that they were doing Red Rocks again, which is the first concert that I r- remember seeing them on uh, online and just falling in love with the, the whole thing, and um, the tickets were just really cheap, um, like for what you would expect from like a top backed or. Um, and like the and uh, there was so much available and with red rocks because it's an open kind of um an amphitheater uh there's no sort of set seating so you just buy your tickets and you can just go and sit wherever if you get there early enough you can just and you, but of course everybody was standing anyway um and uh yeah so we just we got the tickets and then it was like okay how are we going to get there and um and then dad to the rescue came in and worked it all out and we took mum as well um and uh it was just incredible the whole atmosphere it's they it's so high up like the altitude um the walk up to it was just really hard um i can't imagine i know the guessing must be a nightmare for the sound crew <laughs> um and uh and then it was snowing as well it was freezing cold um which is ironic because i think um Colorado is known for being um for not having bad weather like 300 days of the year and I think we were there on the 60 days or whatever that that um the weather is bad but it was snowing um and because Wolfpack have their uh the the clothes that they usually wear and um but they and it's usually not like they don't match up what they're wearing together but they all had these like snow suits on which they which was just incredible the whole production of it was so fantastic um and i think uh Corey henry was on first um uh which it was just amazing we booked the tickets and then realized there were two other bands on that we really liked as well which was Corey henry uh, Corey henry henry's doing a jonathan ross on you um 
uh, Corey Henry. Uh, oh, I can't get it out of my head now. I've, I need my morning coffee. Um, yeah, he, his trio was on, which the, again the musicianship was just incredible. And I think it was it was just him on organ, a guitar player, and a drummer, and it didn't sound like it needed anything else. Um, and then another band which I can't even begin to pronounce their name, um, but they were like very Wolfpack esque, and um, and then Wolfpack obviously were just incredible, and the whole production. Um, and the way that they opened the show just got the crowd up into a frenzy and everybody stood from the start of their set till the finish. And um, and then after they finished their set, they, the Fearless Flyers, their spin-off group came out with Nate Smith, um, which again, we weren't expecting. It took ages before people were shouting for an encore. And then, um, yeah, finally they came on in, with the, the Fearless Flyers. And um, I think... Um, I don't know if it's uh, correct to say, but um, th- I think everybody in the venue might have been a little bit high um, because I think it's uh, legal over there, other than me and my dad, who were just high on the set or whatever. Um, but it was just the, the atmosphere and everything. You just can't buy that, uh, the feeling that you get at a live concert and, and being able to see one of your top bands as well, like you with Rush. And um, I know you'll you'll have had the feeling as well going to see them. And... Um, just incredible um and also just because where it was at red rocks as well um which i would highly uh, recommend for anybody if if you can if you can do it go go to red rocks and and go and see something there um and then the other one was just um just because again one of our favorites was billy joel at um uh at the old trafford in manchester at the the state uh, the football stadium there which was a great concert and I know he's one of one you've got on your list to go and see, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've always been a big a big Billy Joel fan. Um, love love a lot of his music and um, and yeah, he's definitely on the on the two C list at some point. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, next time he's he's over here, we'll uh, we'll be able to uh, fix that uh, mm. that gaping hole in my in my gigs that I should have gone to and haven't yet. Yeah. List. <laughs> but um, but yeah, he's 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 you know consummate showman and, and a really really great uh songwriter piano player you know vocalist all singer, of that yeah. singer you know it's it's all he just does it all and it's all it's all so good as well that yeah. um that he just makes it look uh so easy the way he does his concerts as well i mean it was really again weird how we found that one i think that was 2018 and um he's just he just done his hundredth show, I want to say, at Madison Square Garden because he was doing that red re- residency, um, and and then it just came up on a, like a YouTube advert recommended thing one night at Old Trafford and does oh this looks cool, Dad, and then next thing you know he's got tickets to see it, and which like we're just in our house we're just mad on Billy Joel so it was incredible, and um, and the way he does his set is he does a f- he does songs that he always does like some of the favourites. And then he he just gives it to the audience and says by applause or by cheering, which would you rather hear, uh, Innocent Man or Longest Time? And um, or uh, I think he does Vienna or just the way you are. Um, and he get he lets the audience pick, um, which it, it's it's really a, it's a cool way to do it. And the, his his p- 
patter and everything it just was a really like it's really funny as well and it was just so, when again we were far back talking about the the big stadium thing we were very far back but like you say we didn't feel it and because yeah. the sound it just still hits you like right in your chest and yeah and i think we can both agree that, w- that one of our favorite concerts that we've not been to would be would be billy at shea yeah in in the, in the states because that was again an, an incredible gig and, and one we both wish we'd have uh, <laughs> we'd yeah. been in attendance at because you know i mean it can't get much better and some of the guests he had on that and of course the whole uh let's fly paul mccartney in at the last minute to yeah to come and do a few tunes it was like uh, that's it that's incredible and, and to any listeners or watchers or or anything i would highly recommend checking that that concert out because it's yeah it's just a phenomenal thing um and 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 yeah that's that's one of the gigs i kick myself that i wasn't at yeah yeah the behind the scenes on that as well are just great and they explain how it all happened and i think um the only sort of thick comparison to that now or the the gig that i'd love to see him at is at madison square gardens yeah and his um, his residencies and things yeah i think that's just one of those venues again it's one of those bucket list venues and He's sort of the king of of that place right now. So. Yeah, I think I think he is for Madison Square Garden what someone like Clapton is to the Albert Hall. Mm. You know, just known for playing that venue often, but still, you know, selling it out every single time. Yeah, uh, and and he's definitely at that sort of status with it. And um, mm. yeah, and, and yeah, you you just can't argue with with Billy Joel. It, and I think it, his catalogue as well is so broad that there's something in there for everyone. Everyone, you know, whether, yeah. whether you're whether you're into your ballads or you, you like something a bit more upbeat, yeah, a bit more poppy. There's 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 something in there for yeah f- for any listener. Yeah, rock, uh, like funk. The strangers, I know the strangers got slap in it. Um, uh, Zanzibar, if you like jazz. Yeah, uh, it's you know, um, and some of the you know some of the longer stuff. I mean. I like New York State of Mind's possibly one of my favourite Billy Joel songs because mm. I just love the whole build of it. You know, yeah. it starts off so simply, and then it just comes in with with a with a lovely feel and a lovely groove uh, mm. that just backs up all of the the thing. And then of course that sax solo. Yeah. You know what what more can be said about it? But it's just it was the perfect the perfect thing for that song, and it, mm. it, and it just lifts it. But that all aside let's get back on to uh on the topic for a little bit um hmm. so yeah i mean i think we kind of spoke about this but uh yeah let's let's dip into to your favorite gigs of your dad's that you've been to yeah so. um i know it's it's funny cuz being brought up around sort of music and um my when i was growing up my mum and dad both worked at butlin so there was a lot of um, me and my sister being sort of rushed around sort of corridors and changing rooms and like seeing behind the scenes of shows and um, so I'm sure I went to a lot of those there was I remember there was a couple of uh, a Blues Brothers thing I went to see which I really enjoyed at, at Butlins that I think dad did um, the yeah, first we'll just just before you dive into this we'll just uh, we'll say that uh... For those who don't know, Ashley's dad is uh, trumpet player extraordinaire uh, <laughs> Steve Walker, and uh, you know, I mean, just he—he's—he's he's a class player. So it's—it's it's one of those things. <laughs> and if you haven't already, go and check out his radio show on, uh, on <laughs> Sound. We'll give him a—we'll give him a cheeky plug. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure he'll appreciate that. Um, yeah, um, 
yeah, I think the first uh, kind of concert I can remember going to um, full stop really was um, a tour he did, um, I want to say around 11 years ago now, 10, 11 years ago, he did the Elvis um, tour where Elvis was on the screen and it was Elvis's band with Joe uh, Gershio, um, MD in it and, and all the original Ronnie Tut on drums and... Um, one of his big gigs and i think we went to see him at sheffield um arena and again we got to go backstage and um uh, i remember they had a big tour bus that um the band went on and it was fun i think that's where he met um the wonderful nick rear chris rear's brother and nick was the stage manager for that show and both of them being from middlesbrough got to talking and and nick showed us around the tour bus and um, even then I wasn't very old I would have been seven or eight and um, kind of not interested in being a musician but it was just very I, I think I got a lot more respect for what my dad did at that point uh, so that would certainly be up there um, and then um, I'm sh uh, he, he's done a lot of stuff um, unfortunately we haven't been able to go and see him uh, too much um, when, when growing up we weren't able to go and see him very much with my mum working but um more recently we got to see him uh play uh in london and i forget the venue now which i i'm sure he won't let me live down um with the wonderful liza pullman and the tour he's he's doing with her and um it was a barbara streisand show and he did a couple of gigs at the lyric theater there we go got there in the end and um yeah that was a very special thing and and as well seeing him not just in the pit for the uh the west end but actually on the stage for uh, at at the west end um so that would sort certainly be up there and i wonder for you with your granddad i'm sure there's a lot of uh a lot of gigs you went to see with him on yeah i've been to a been to a few over the the past 21 years i mean i used to go with him when i was you know four five six year old and and, and help him set up and 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 that's you know there's some really really wonderful memories but as far as the the bigger gigs that I've, I I I I do remember going to that the the first one would have been Tony Christie, uh, the Newcastle City Hall in two thousand and five. So this was just after the the whole um, Amarillo being used on Phoenix Nights and then the comic relief thing and it was huge again and everyone everyone knew who Tony Christie was and I think on that tour they ended up headline uh, headlining the Sunday at the the V Festival and doing loads and loads of gigs. And and yeah, it was uh, my granddad was uh, was in the band for that, and I mean a lot of the band actually were were all um, from up this way, and and a lot of them I still work with and and still see uh, quite often, mm. and um, and yeah, that was that I remember that gig really really kind of distinctly as a as a turning point for me that 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 was like this is this is kind of what I want to do, even though I was only five or six at the time, it was like. It, that that was the moment where it clicked into yeah i want to do this too and this is this mm. is the this is where you can get from being a you know a, a northerner you know this, this is like from and and now to have played the city hall myself uh with the the dolly and kenny show it's like that was even more special going back and and um and seeing it from the other side if you like yeah but yeah i mean i mean tony christie's band at that point was was a huge lineup. So I think it was two keys, uh, guitar, bass, drums, percussion, uh, four front line players, two backing vocalists, and and then 
Tony. Uh, so it was it was it was a big setup, you know, a big yeah. full full show band if you like, and um, and yeah, just just all the tunes were, were you know he played all the classics and did a few other things. I think there was a few Beatles covers in there, which was really cool, and and all you know really great arrangements and um, and and perfectly played by a, a really really great band. So mm. for me, it was like that was that was at that point that was the pinnacle of anything I'd seen as far as you know the the musicianship and the you know it wasn't very it wasn't a huge show by that you know there wasn't screens or anything but it was as far as the music that was that that kind of cemented to me what I wanted to do and 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 that that gig definitely sticks in my mind for mm. for all those reasons and the other gig that that really sticks out was um he was depping with Lindisfarne uh, a couple of years ago and I went and saw them at uh, at a local venue in Stockton uh, with him playing with Lindisfarne and and of course Lindisfarne a legendary legendary band with with a with a great catalog of of songs and um and that would have been 2018 I think so yeah I would have, I went with him and um and watched the show helped him you know usual roadie job uh packing all the gear down and all that but <laughs> But that was, I, I, and I, I have such great memories of, of, of that gig, and um, and he, yeah, he was he, he was on fire that night, and he played they played a great spot, um, and of course did all the all the classics that you would expect, and a couple of couple of surprises as well, and mm. um, and then yeah, he's and he's back out, my granddad's back out with Lindisfarne later this year, so I'm I'm hopefully going to catch a gig or two with uh, of that as well, yeah, which would be very nice, yeah, of course. And- what a great band and for anyone um who hasn't heard of uh charlie's uh granddad or hasn't seen any of that stuff you can go and check him out i know he's played on a lot of stuff that's actually out there and you can listen to so um yeah what a great drummer and it's it's funny when you grow up around music and um you can almost take it a little bit for granted like the concert thing and and but it's it's kind of one of those unique things being able to go backstage. I totally agree with you. And funnily enough, I don't know about you, but I still feel that now. You know, if I'm on a gig, and I always try and have a look around the, the backstage of if it, if I'm in a, an old theatre or or a, a big venue or wherever, and I still get that same bo- that same buzz that I had when I was five years old backstage at the city hall. Yeah. You know, it it still feels the same that you you know. I mean, you know, we we all sometimes have that kind of spinal tap moment of you know the the stage being thirty corridors away from the dressing rooms or or any of that and and just but I don't know about you I, I always feel that same buzz when I'm when I'm backstage at a venue now even when I'm working that you kind of think you kind of feel a little bit special that you get to do what you do and and I definitely never take that for granted that 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 we're in. Well, I think we both consider the best job in the world. Yeah, yeah, we've never done a day's work. We just do our hobby. Yeah, I mean, who would, who would, who wouldn't want to to do this for a living if you know if if they could and and, and get to do what you love and play with people who you who you respect and who you you know you you really like being around. Mm. It is, for me at least, it's it's unbeatable. Yeah, and and, uh, and very special as well because I know, um, obviously, with your granddad playing drums as well, it's not often that you can play together. But on your Islands in the Stream gig, you're able to 
work together and i know from myself what how great that can be working with your family and um yeah i mean for for me on that gig i'm i'm the luckiest guy in the band because i get to sit six foot away from one of the one of the greatest drummers around you know and i get to see him do do that every night and i i can just i can just sit and groove along uh, on percussion and and just enjoy the moment yeah. and and that that again is you know there's a few moments in that show that we that we always you know, we'll exchange a look or we'll, we'll we'll have a smile at each other and and i do sometimes pinch myself and think i am actually doing this aren't i and i am this is this is what i do this is my job yeah and and the, some of that it's like it's just those those little memories and those little moments are the ones that i'll i'll certainly treasure uh for the you know for forever it's because you know two drummers on a gig is 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 not a common thing and, and getting drummers and drums and percussion on the islands gig has been a a, a real um a real uh game changer for me as far as it's just it's given me some some wonderful shows and we've, we've had some great times and some great dates and uh hopefully we'll we'll continue to as uh as we get back out on the road later this year but it's um yeah there's definitely something special to be said uh for for doing a gig uh with your family you know because it just it just changes the dynamic of it you know we we kind of know each other's inside out so i can sometimes sense if he's going to go for something or do a figure or and i'll try and hop in on it and 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 you know either uh, put something with it that'll that'll go well or or you know do it in a as a unison bit and and that doing little things like that uh can really lift a, a gig musically as well and it's it's kind of relationship that, that i don't think many other drums and percussion combos could have because i think for me i just know his, his style intimately and to a point where even now if i listen to recordings from 30 years ago i can still tell who it is you know i, I know mm. I, I know what he sounds like if you yeah. know what I mean, I can yeah, recognise. I can recognise my granddad on record at twenty paces. You know, it's 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 weird to say, but there's just little things that that for me that I can just pick up on and and say, yeah, that's that's something he would do, or that's that's the way he'd think about it, or the way he'd see hmm. he'd see to play whatever it was. But yeah. yeah, and um, and I know you've done gigs with your dad as well, so maybe yeah. Uh, let us know how you how you found that and and what it was like from from your point of view. Yeah, I think it's it's very true what you said about like I I have the same thing recognizing uh you know your 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 granddad's sound and with my dad I know uh, I can t- he has a specific sound when he when he plays his trumpet and um uh yeah ha- we haven't done a lot of stuff together uh, certainly not a lot of professional things together. I, a lot of sort of school shows and things when I've been starting out but like you say it's exchanging a look and, and knowing they're there even it, 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 he always says a thing of it's like he doesn't think of me as his son when we're playing together I'm just the bass player and um and again it's just like working with him it's he's just the trumpet player or the MD but then um you, you do have a glance and then you there might be for instance some shows that we've done together um like Amdram productions of things like Sister Act or or whatever it is, and there'll come a specific point in the show that we've spoken about on the way home and laughed about. And when it gets to that point in the show, we always look at each other and have a laugh. Or yeah, and, and, it, and I, it, it's not a that dynamic you you have with anybody other than 
your own flesh and blood. Yeah, and I think there's sometimes I don't know how you how you, if you've had this, uh, but I certainly do. That sometimes it's it, you almost the music drops away and you just think that's my granddad over there. Yeah, and that then that just gives you the best feeling when you're thinking, you know, I'm doing this with the, possibly the musician who I respect and love the most above above any other. Yeah. And I'm I'm here right next to them, and it's that that's always a, a a bit of a special feeling, and and you know I mean, and we always have the like you say, you know, you always have the 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 little uh, the little debriefs on the way home, or um, you know, if when we were driving away to different places after a gig, we'd always have a little chat on the phone in the car, or you know, if we pull over for a, a, a coffee somewhere, and 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 just have a have a, have a little conversation, and whether it's about the gig or something else it's it's always that that those little times are always special because i do think you know not 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 a lot of there's not a lot of other you know people who would have this kind of relationship with with their grandparent for me you know it's like where you you're not only you know in in a family sense but also in a in a in a business and a work sense as well that it's it's uh it it I, I again I don't take that for granted and I'm always really thankful that I'm I'm lucky enough to have it. Mm. Well, I think uh, that's a very nice um, way to round off this uh, today's episode of Groovecast. Um and I think we'll thank everybody for listening and and watching if you're watching on YouTube. Um and feel free to tag us if uh, you've got any live shows that you want to share with us any experiences. Uh, you've gone through make sure to to give us a tag on instagram or facebook what's the handle charlie it's at groovecast uk that's uh, the on, one in, on instagram facebook and you can find this uh, you'll be able to find this podcast on uh, our podbean and on uh, spotify and apple podcasts as well as well as youtube of course if you want to watch uh, two northern lads having a chat uh, via camera <laughs> yeah see our handsome faces of course right. so thank yeah thank you uh, uh, for listening that's episode four done and dusted and uh, we thank you again and we'll see you on the next one see you next time <laughs>